thank you, Father. We bless you, Lord. Praise you, Jesus. Hallelujah. And we thank you, Lord, for being here with us. You are in the midst of us, and you are mighty, 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 mighty above all things. Thank you, Jesus, for being the first person to show up at healing school every time. There is nobody, no other healer but you. There is no salvation or wholeness in any other name but your name. So we thank you for being present with us today and running the healing school the way you want to in Jesus' name. Amen, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. So we're going to talk about what you must believe to be healed. What you must believe to be healed. There are certain must-dos in life. Uh, People want to make up their own rules for being healed. If you want something from the bank, you have to find out what the qualifications are. Is that not right? If you want good grades in college, you have to find out and take the test. You have to get the curriculum straightened out, find out what the requirements are for attendance or for whatever else it is. that there. So there are requirements in every area of life. And it's the same thing in God's kingdom. Uh, this kingdom is not a free-for-all kingdom. Uh, the way you think it's supposed to fit into your life. God has already decided how he's going to run things. And there are certain laws that govern his kingdom. One of those laws happens to be the law of faith. Uh, faith is a law. It's a legal statute uh, in God's kingdom. So much so that God says, I don't take any delight in you if you come to me without faith says, without faith, it's impossible to what please him. When you come to God, number one, you've got to believe that he's real, that he exists, that he's alive, and that he is a rewarder. Amen? So you must believe in the living God, first and foremost. You've got to decide he's a God of good character, covenant-keeping God. He's not teasing us, and he's not lying to us. He's not telling us one day he's going to do something and change his mind. His mind's already made up about us. Amen. And he loves us. He wants us well. And he has given us the atonement in order to prove all of that to us. So in Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, we always start there because I believe that if you don't believe this scripture, there's not much help for you believing other things about the word of God. Just like Jesus taught the parable of the seed and the sower. And he says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand the rest of them? So this is a foundational parable for all of the teachings of the cross. And so in, in Proverbs 4, 20 to 22, it says, my son, attend to my words. Now, how many of us are sons and daughters of God? Amen. We all are. So he's talking to us. He's saying, listen, son, this is your dad talking to you. He says, and I'm telling you how to live a good life and how to prosper. It's just like you you instructing your own children. Parents, you have to decide where your children are going in life, and you've got to decide how to give them the tools to get there. And so God says, if you're ever sick or you need me for anything, this is how you get what I have for you. He says, attend to my words. Praise God. Is that something to be prayed over? Why don't you give it to me now? Won't forget it. He says, attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart, for they are life to those that find them and health or medicine 
to all of your flesh. So the word of God actually heals your body. You know, people talk about, well, I got a spiritual healing. There's nothing wrong with your spirit. See, there's always something we can't see. I'm going to say it again. See, a lot of this hocus pocus we got going on in the body of Christ is going to stop when God starts manifesting in the real with real faith. People who have real faith, you will get a manifestation in the real. And you won't have to flim flam people and say, well, you got a spiritual healing or I got such a deliverance and you walk out with the same devils. In fact, more than you had when you came in, picked up a lying devil while you was in there. Decided I was going to be nice today. I digress. Sorry. I didn't want to offend anybody. Kept some water, Miss Nola. That's what's wrong with me. I don't have enough water. I have enough water in me. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you. Praise the Lord. But you know what I'm saying. Many times we we want to make something true or make something valid when it's not. We don't want to pay the price to find out for these things. And the Bible is full of revelation on how these things work. He says, let them not depart from your eyes. Keep your eyes on my word. Hide them in the midst of your heart. In other words, take this word seriously. Get it in there. I mean, if there's something that you are are believing and you look in the word and you see that what you're believing or you've been believing isn't true, then drop what you used to believe and pick up believing God's word. Amen. Remember the days when we were new Christians, we admitted freely our our problems, and you find it. Remember the little promise book, and you get that promise. It had every category of trouble in your life, and you read that thing cover to cover, black and white, because you want to get rid of your nightmares, your hangovers, your uh, slinking around in the bars and all that. You knew you were in trouble if you continued that life. And you took it seriously like that. And then one day you got what they call mature, which means you lied to yourself. You listened to the devil telling you you didn't need him like that anymore. Mm -hmm. Mature people, you know, you don't have to read that Bible every day. You don't have to pray for a certain amount of time every day. You understand what I'm saying? And so we are seduced away from keeping the word in front of our eyes the way the Bible says we're to do. Remember when you needed something bad, you had all them post-it notes, had them on the lampshade, on the mirror, on the in the car, everywhere you went, you had the word plastered all around. Amen? Then we get mature. You don't need as much. But the Bible says that's a lie. You keep it. Don't let it depart from your eyes. You're going to fight it sometimes to keep it in front of your eyes and keep it in the midst hide it in the midst of your heart start meditating on it like never before he says because that's where you'll find life you find life in what you meditate on amen you start that begins to to be what you feed will grow if you feed your spirit the word of god and you feed your flesh the word of god when it's ailing and when it's not it will manifest in just what you want it to do the Bible is the only book ever written that manifests itself and confirms itself. 
the, the scholars have what they call a law of historical validity or historical life. In other words, if you want to prove that a historical figure ever lived and was real, you know, like we say, well, Julius Caesar was emperor of Rome during whatever, whatever A.D. or whatever till Brutus stabbed him, you know, and the rest of it cut. You know, he didn't live long in them days. You just you went to work one day and they didn't like you no more. They stabbed you to death. <laughs> and you too, Brutus. Oh yeah, you get denied. <laughs> but how do we know Caesar was real? Well, the historical the 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 rules or laws for historical validity is that there have to be two or three different witnesses. To say that that person actually really lived. So we'd have to find three different authors who have written books with Caesar in them. And we accept the fact that Julius Caesar was a real person. Actually, well, the Bible's the only book that that doesn't stand true for. The people in the Bible, amen, amen. They have made the Bible the one exception to that law. So the Bible is the only book that validates itself. They got that from the Bible. Then the Bible say, in the mouth of two or three witnesses is every word established or confirmed. And the Bible has two, three witnesses to its truth. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So anything that you read in the Bible is accepted as historical fact and truth. Amen. And so the Bible, because it validates itself, is settled everywhere. There is no disputing ever the word of God. Psalm 119 tells us that. He says, thy word, O God, is forever settled in heaven. 119.89. He says, forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. You want things settled in God's court. And then earth automatically has to follow suit. You know, now the word of God will be disputed on earth because the devil runs things down here until the people of God tell him he don't run stuff anymore. That's why you come to these meetings. That's why I'm a preacher is because we're here to tell the devil he doesn't run anything anymore. Jesus is Lord. Amen. He is Lord of all. And so when we begin to establish God's kingdom, that's when his word gets established down here on earth. The Lord's Prayer says, let it be so on earth as it is in heaven. We want the word undisputed down here. We want the word established down here. We want the word to bear fruit down here and be undisturbed in our midst. That's where we want the word, the kingdom of God to rule and reign. So God's word is forever settled. It cannot be disputed. The oath of confirmation makes it sure. In the book of Hebrews, the Bible says that God, because he could swear by no higher, he swore by himself. He pledged allegiance to himself, on himself, by himself, for himself. Huh? So you don't need anybody else telling you it's okay to believe the word of God. Amen. God's already sworn by himself because he could find nobody higher to swear to. So he swore by himself. What did he say? In blessing, told Abraham, blessing, I will bless you. Multiplying, I will multiply you. I will increase you. And God has kept his word throughout. We can look at the history 
of the Jewish people and see that God has kept his word. And then when Jesus came and died for the sins of the whole world, he's still keeping his word through covenant people on the earth, the Christians who are on the earth. God is still increasing the seed of Abraham. And so an oath of confirmation is the end of all strife. You know, when people disagree about things, they must have a way to settle the disagreement. Back in the, uh, in, in, and in some countries and some nations now that we consider to be primitive, the covenant right of, of making, uh, uh, friends through covenant, the shedding of covenant blood and the breaking of bread at a covenant table or having a covenant meal, it's kind of universal, and you'll see it throughout the ages. Uh, on the continent of Africa, it, it still is practiced to a great degree uh, to make peace between people. You know, if people uh, met one another, if you met a stranger, you didn't know how to not fight that person for possession of, say, land. Say, like, for instance, when the pilgrims came to this country, there's a lot of twisting of history and retelling of things to make it look like the white man is so bad. But back in the day, you fought when strangers came until you found a way to make peace. And they made peace through the blood covenant. Amen. And so because of the shedding of blood between two parties who decided they would not uh, raise arms against one another anymore, but they would lay down their arms and lay down their enmity lay down their strife. The blood of Jesus paid for that for us to come into covenant with God. So we have decided to lay down our resistance against God. There should be no such thing as a rebellious Christian. Amen? Because we've already cut covenant with Jesus Christ to lay down our enmity and animosity against him and submit to his direction. And so when when God confirmed his covenant with an oath and a promise by swearing to himself that if he would ever lose anybody that he saved, he would destroy himself first before he would lose anybody. He also swears that he will destroy himself before he would not make good on any promise he's promised you. And that includes your healing. So you can't argue against, I don't care who tells you so-and-so didn't get healed. Every time somebody says that, there's a little something on the inside of you said, but that ain't my case. I'm going to get my healing. Amen. You know why? Because you have an oath of confirmation. The Bible says that's the end of all strife. You can't strive against this word. This word will, will chase you down, pin you down, make you believe it because you can't fight against it anymore. Because it's already been confirmed with an oath and a promise. God's already sworn his life. In other words, Jesus says, I will die again if I don't take care of you. Huh? He said, I'll do it all over again if I don't come down here and take care of you and heal you and take care of everything that you need. That's an oath of confirmation. Now, you can't argue against that. Now, you can sit up there and try to doubt it if you want to, but pretty soon doubt is going to die a, a bloody death in the back of your throat if you try to confess it. You can't confess anything against God's word. You know, I've heard people have people used to tell me I left the ministry once because people were were, uh, telling me there were exceptions to divine healing. You know, and it was because somebody they knew didn't get healed. 
Huh? I said, well, I ain't them. I'm believing God for mine. You you can't make me doubt it now anyway. I've healed already. See? See, if they don't know what you've been through, they don't know they lying to you for no to no avail. See, I'd already been in the mental hospital and been told I wasn't guaranteed to ever get better. One nurse took me aside one time and she said, I notice you're serious about getting better. She said, don't ever play games with this. She said, because I've seen people come in thinking, you know, I get a little attention for this and play. She said, don't play around with this. She said, you keep going. You keep getting stronger. She said, because you could get to the point where you could, this is a revolving door for you. You could come in year after year after year on different medications. She said, I've seen it. She said, but you keep going. She said, because I noticed you're interested in getting better. She said, just keep keep that attitude and keep getting better. You understand me? And so there's no guarantee with the world system that you're ever going to recover from anything. You understand me? But God, see, you have an oath and a promise from him that his life is staked again on him fulfilling his promise to you. God fronted the payment for your sin because he died already for it. But he says, if you think that I'm not serious when I died the first time, my oath says that I'll do it again if I have to prove it to you. That I'll come down there and do what I need to do to get you healed, to get you saved, to get you delivered. All you got to do is believe. Believing is not hard when you stay focused on his word. Believing's hard when you listen to all these other people out here talking stuff. You all the health gurus. You know, Jesus ain't selling nothing. He's giving everything away. You understand me? Anybody who's selling something, there, there's another motive for what they're doing. Huh? Anybody you go to in the world to get something from them wants a dollar behind. He's the only one who's already paid the price, lock, stock, and barrel, delivered you, totally healed, set free, nothing missing, nothing broken, whole, restored, everything. He sees you that way. And so he's working in your life. To make these things available and make them real and make them possible, make them manifest to you. So we are to meditate on the word day and night. In other words, when you get up, think, thank God for his word. Thank you, Lord, that I'm healed. Thank you, Lord. You know, sometimes I'll get up and feel stiff. I said, Lord, I thank you. This stiffness is gone. I said, I'm going to put my feet on the floor and it's leaving me. I'm leaving I'm leaving stiff in the bed. You understand what I'm getting on up out of that and moving on. Nothing will stop me today because I'm energized by your power. So God's word is forever settled. You can't you can't argue with it anymore. So you must believe that there is healing and medicine in God's word. You got to believe when you meditate on that word that you are feeding your body medicine. Amen. God, I'm meditating. And this is, I'm taking my medicine today. Thank you, Lord, that by your stripes, I am healed. I thank you, Lord, that sickness will not come upon me a second time. You make an end of all affliction. You make an end of all suffering. And I thank you, Father, that the devil cannot put this upon me because of your precious blood. I am blood bought. Amen. And he can't buy me back from you. Amen. You paid the highest price. The devil's nothing but a thief anyway. He ain't going to pay for nothing even if you gave him a bill for it. Amen? And so he doesn't honor stuff like that. So he wants to steal us back from God through lies and deceit. 
We must believe that the anointing carries the power of God for healing. You can't believe that you come up to the altar and you're not changed. If you don't think anything happens at the altar, it's because you don't bring faith with you. Amen. Many people don't even have altar calls because they don't honor the altar of God. They don't understand that that is the place where where the sacrifice was was made and the price was paid for everything that people need. You know, uh, the Old Testament altar uh, was sacrifices were laid on that altar and God received that smoke that went up from the sacrifice as a sweet savor to him. And he sent down the blessing. And so it's the same thing with the altar here. It's a holy place where the fire of God will burn away anything that's not of God. And that that anointing takes care of every problem that's presented at the altar. You've got to believe these things. You can't believe you're just going up to the prayer line. You know, I've heard people people come to the meeting to be healed and get up to the altar and then start thinking about uh, she can't make me fall. If I could make you do anything, I'd make you believe God. I can't even do that. See what I'm saying? We get into these, these, the Bible says to stay away from, uh, you know, silly conversations, endless genealogies, all that stuff that you get into strife over. Don't get into those arguments. You know, people say, do you have to? You don't have to do nothing. You hear me? But get yourself healed. Just yield to the power of God and get yourself healed. Amen. There's never been a time where I wasn't slaying the spirit that I wasn't better when I got up. Huh? So I get out of that controversy of do I fall, do I don't fall. You know, let the unbelievers have it. We're believers in here. We believe God for his power to do everything it says it's going to do. In Luke chapter 4, if you'll turn there, praise God. Chapter 4 and verse 18. Jesus came, to, you know, we, he, this was after he had been in the wilderness and was tempted by the devil. You know, the, there's certain things, you look at this, people think you're already anointed. You know what I'm saying? It's, let me just let me read this so y'all you know you mind you just indulge me in a little little clarification here jesus had the spirit without measure the bible says he was he was born uh his mother was overshadowed by the holy spirit amen uh, what that means is she didn't have nothing to do with it amen. if something overshadows you you are suspended of all effort, all input, nothing. That's why they called her a chosen vessel. So she was he was conceived that way. Now the inheritance for the for for your your genetic makeup actually is determined by what the father puts in. You know, the mother's the vessel. The father, you both contribute a certain number of chromosomes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the inheritance factor comes through the father in, in Hebrew culture. The man was the one who inherited for the family. It was unusual that, that the women would inherit. Now, there were some special instances, but they had to petition God to get that permission uh, to violate that rule and, and go over it. But God decided that, 
that he would do things that way because he wanted Jesus to be a specific kind of man, a new species of human being. So that when he left his DNA for those who would inherit his life, it would be a sinless type of a life. So he was not born with the original sin that all men were born with because his the the man's inheritance, the, the man's input, natural man's input was bypassed and the Holy Spirit took over and, and impregnated Mary and she conceived. And the Bible says that holy thing that's born of you will be called the son of God. And so Jesus contributes that DNA to every born again believer that ever comes in, into the world. And so he was conceived in a special way, but he still had to be tested to see what he would do in certain situations. So here we see he's been 40 days fasting in the wilderness and the devil has tempted him with all the things that we're tempted with. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. We have to be tested the same way before we're anointed. You don't get anything from God automatically by confessing and saying we are anointed. To prove it to you, go lay hands on any Tom, Dick, and Harry you want to and see the results you get. So let's quit playing with this, folks, and understand that God will put you through testing of your faith to see what you're going to do in these situations. And when you stay with God and you learn the things you need to learn through study the word and prayer, then you're in line for the anointing. You got me? But let us not let us not get crazy here in thinking that it's an automatic thing because it was not automatic with Jesus. It says here in verse one, four verse one, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost, returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. This was after he was baptized by John. So he was filled with the Holy Spirit then, and then he was attested after he was filled with the Holy Spirit. Many of us get filled with the Holy Spirit and pray in tongues a little bit, and then we want to run off and rent a building and start a ministry. Because we can pray in tongues, we think that's it. Jesus, it wasn't it for him. He still had to be tested by God. To see what he would do with what he was given. So Jesus resisted the enemy. Resisted. Many of us can't even resist the devil enough to get up off the bed on time every morning. I might have to call in. I need me. Let me see if I got me some, what they call furlough time. Comp time or something. You understand what I'm saying? And so let us not get get exotic here with, with thinking that this is a snap thing. Jesus didn't snap thing nothing. This anointing has to be paid for. How is it paid for? The, the main way that we pay for the anointing is submission to one under, under the authority of one who is anointed. That's the easiest way to get something. It's to get under somebody that's got something. It's called discipleship. It's not called, uh, be my mentor. 
is not called my spiritual mom, my spiritual dad. Let me kick all these devils out of here while we got this. If you're being discipled, you do what the person is discipled and tells you to do. So it's like a little trust thing here. Well, I want you to disciple me, but I can't come uh, so-and-so and such. I'm busy over with, with brother so-and-so. I got to make a pants over there. I'm on program. Well, stay on program. See, a program will give you something you need. See, people don't want to pay the price. They're scared of what it's going to cost. And they want to get around you and tell you, oh, I wish I had what you got. You get it. You get it. It's not hard to pay the price. All you got to do is sit there and be obedient. You know, we make it complicated. Huh? We complicate things far beyond where God wanted them. Jesus not only anointed the 12, but there were 70 more. They carry the anointing. He wants to give it away. Can't get enough people to follow him without carrying on. The 12 would cut up. Want a promotion? You talk about people in it for wrong motives. Them 12 was it. Huh? He had, Jesus had to straighten all that out. Huh? They mad at him because he can sleep through a storm. Huh? Don't you care about us? What you doing sleeping? Huh? But yet they want to go conquer the world. Flunked another test. Huh? So Jesus went up to the wilderness, was tempted. The father saw him through it. That's what you need to know. Whatever God ordains for you to do, being trained and being taught, so forth and so on, he'll see you through it. Amen. He'll help you through these things. It's not going to kill you to submit to somebody who's got something. Just make sure you find people that's got something. Oh, that was weak. People say, what What that mean? What that mean? Got something. What that mean? What that mean? That means they got something you want. They're doing some things you want to do. They're doing some things you're called to do. And you don't have to pray 15 times about it to find out. You know, people do things like they pray for three months and, oh, God, just just get me to this. This looks like a meeting I'm supposed to be at. And then they get here and they're all excited. God told me to come here and be a part of this. And you never see them again. Huh? So what do you do? Change his mind when you, you know? It's good to just shut up and be invisible sometimes. Don't go spouting off about what God told you to do. Huh? But the, you're, you have to be tried to make sure your flesh is not going to get in the way of you doing something for God. It's got to be kept under the authority of the Holy Spirit. And so after Jesus was tempted, The Bible says, verse 13, when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. See, this is why you stay close to God and you stay under. Now, I didn't mean to preach this, but you got to stay under good spiritual authority. You understand what I'm saying? Uh, My thing is this. If anybody's ever fed you the word, fed you spirit, been a good pastor or something, don't don't go off mean after them people. 
You know, don't go let, leave and badmouth them. Make it so that you can go back if you ever need to. Chances are you won't. If you got something valid from them, they're, they're, they're happy to see you keep going and keep increasing, keep being blessed. But don't, don't leave, you know, negative and, and, uh, and mean and stuff like that, like they never did anything for you. You gotta honor these people. Amen. Whether they did a lot or didn't do much, you honor them anyway. So it says, Jesus returned to them in the power of the Spirit. Huh? He left filled. He returned in power. Is filled the same thing as power? No. Huh? Yeah. The Bible says that you get clothed with power from on high. Amen. You can be filled with the spirit, but then you're clothed with power from on high. And so Jesus was filled when he was when he was baptized at the Jordan. That was a confirmation of his filling. And so after he was tested, God conferred upon him the anointing. The anointing is a separate activity as talking in tongues. Huh? The evidence of the anointing is in verse 18. He says this, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Now, everybody pretty much does that. We can blab it. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. We don't blab that nearly as much. Why is healing different from salvation? Because we've taken the cross and dismantled it. Now, Jesus, when he died on the cross, the cross was one piece. We take him down. Now that he's raised from the dead, he's not on the cross anymore. We break it up in pieces. And we preach pieces of it. Instead of preaching the whole cross. Don't we? The Baptists get you baptized and saved. They'll have you, if you make a mistake, you ain't saved no more. Then they'll save you again. you got to have another altar call, rededicate your life. They never move off salvation. Huh? Because they don't believe in anything else. They'll tell you, we don't believe in that here. Huh? We don't believe in that. Or now they get spirit-filled Baptists, but they trick you because they still don't believe in the baptism in the Holy Spirit. See, that, that religious devil is strong to fight the power of God. I pray for Baptist people. They go right back in their dead church and don't pray in tongues anymore and get mad at you because you pray in tongues. See, they lose their freedom and they're angry at you because you keep yours. You ask them, say, don't you pray in tongues anymore? And they say, what you mean, all that old stuff? Religion is a nasty devil, folks. It's a mean devil. It's a robbing devil. I like being around believers. I don't like unbelievers. When your denomination is defined by what you don't believe, you are in trouble. Huh? Christianity is for believers, not unbelievers. So we're defined by what we believe, not unbelievers. So Jesus says he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, sent me to heal the brokenhearted, 
to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to blind, set at liberty them who are bruised, and to accept, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, the, the Bible, uh, this word heal the brokenhearted is not just for what we call emotional healing. But the Bible further says in Mark chapter 16, that Jesus sent them out and told them to go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Uh, don't go now. Stop in Jerusalem and wait till you're endued with power from on high. Problem is, many times in our zeal to share our testimony, we don't wait until we're endued with power from on high. Mm-hmm. We want to go out and start doing things right away. We want to go out and start conquering the world with our little bit of faith and our little bit of whatever that we have. And we don't stop and wait until we endure with power from on high. First thing I asked God when I knew it was called to the ministry, I said, who's going to teach me? Good question to ask. Who's going to teach me? Many people just assume they're okay and good to go. You got me? So that's an assumption we have to quit making. Amen? You have to get into a ministry that teaches believers how, number one, to discern good from evil. The Bible says that God brought them, he he gave them teachers in the Old Testament. He said, and the function of the teacher is to help you to distinguish the holy from the profane. You got to know what's of God and what's not of God first before you can handle the things of God. We can't handle the things of God and we don't know the difference. I don't care how many visions, dreams, and prophecies, and thus saith the Lord, you think you can give people. You must have been taught at some point to distinguish the holy from the profane. Men of God on Facebook who get on there and and, and trying to be slick, they repost something with a curse word in it. Well, they get an instant delete. I don't I don't mess around with profane people. I'm looking for holy people just like myself. You understand what I'm saying? You don't have to keep up. Get that stuff off your page. You think it's cute and funny. It's not. It's 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 bringing Jesus down at the same time. You call yourself a Christian, but you'll you'll put something on there that's that's uh, uh, a, a picture with somebody half clothed and. Making fun of somebody because they're overweight and got on something they shouldn't be wearing. That's nonsense. You've got better things inside of you than to waste time doing that kind of stuff. So let's just stay away. Just keep it holy. And God, and pass that test before God so that he can anoint you so that you can get up and do something with what God has given you. If there's no unction, then there's no power there to drive the ministry. This is why people don't pray for the sick, because they don't ever feel the unction to do it. The unction comes from the power. You got me? When you feel the unction to lay hands on somebody, it's because the power is driving you to do that. Many times, if your baby is sick, parents, the first thing that the parent wants to do is touch that child. Be sure that you're touching them with the unction. Get get tired of just rubbing your child and giving them emotional comfort. Stop that. Because the unction will never show up unless you start obeying that and start putting your faith there to see that baby healed 
and not just to stop crying. Huh? I mean, this is how it comes, folks. I'm trying to tell you how these things happen. Now, if you, in, in the first responsibility that you have is to get those healed that you love. Faith works by love. So God makes it easy for you. Huh? Wives, lay hands on your husband to pray for them. They start whining to talk about limping and stuff. Tell them, come on, I'm laying hands on you. I don't care what the, they don't like it. Too while you at it. You got me? But don't put up with this nonsense from the devil in your own home. So God gives us that mandate first. He says, first Jerusalem. That's where you live. Huh? Then Judea. You graduate unto the uttermost parts of the earth. So Jesus was anointed because the spirit of the Lord was upon him because he had anointed him to preach the gospel with signs following. That's it. To preach it with signs following. He gave the twelve. He laid hands on the twelve and gave them power and authority over all devils. There must be a point when you know that that anointing comes into your life. If you're around sick people and you don't feel an unction, ask God to give it to you. If you're around people who are demon possessed and acting stupid and you're scared of them, ask God to give you the power and the anointing to do these things. It's oftentimes ours for the asking. It's not anything unique and unusual. And make sure that they get healed after you pray for them. If you see people are getting healed, you back up and you talk to God some more and you ask him to give you what you need to make that job happen. Because it's yours. That's your rightful inheritance. People get backed into a corner. Well, you know, they got healed. They felt better. I had some crazy person tell me I mentioned to him about healing meeting and they said, oh, I healed people. Uh, uh, my bishop, we were at a dinner dance and, and I danced with his wife and she said that she felt better. She was healed after I danced with her. I said, I got something easier for you. Quit dancing with other men's wives and get some power from God so you can lay hands on them like the Bible says. You see how crazy people are. Huh? Totally crazy. Never want to talk about healing to me anymore. Huh? I'm talking about something real, folks. I'm not talking about something fake and fictitious. So you're going to be empowered today. We have the altar call. Anybody who wants to be empowered, this is how it happens. If you have faith to receive, and that unction starts to move on you, then you go out and lay hands on the sick and do it with confidence. Now y'all ain't got scared now. It's not spooky. It's not scary. Amen. In Isaiah 53, you can do this. Why? Because Jesus already took sickness. Isaiah 53, verse 1. Who has believed our report? <laughs> About Jesus. He was despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief or sickness. We hid our faces from him. But in verse 4, surely, that word surely is another covenant term. Surely means the guarantee. It's guaranteed by an oath and a promise. It must come to pass. It will come to pass. It will not fail. 
because of the power that backs it up. He says, uh, he, he says, surely he has borne our griefs, our sicknesses, pains, carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgression. So sin is no excuse for not getting healed. As long as you're willing to let go of it. Amen. And I'm not trying to, I'm not talking about trying to stop in your own strength. I mean, telling God, I don't want this anymore. And just take it away from me, please, God. Just help me. I want to be delivered. I don't want to do this. It starts with your confession and your want to. And that's how you, you get rid of sin. It's not to say that you won't slip up, trip up, or do something anymore. But he's already paid for that, and it can't stay on your soul. That's why it has no power over you. It has no right to stay there. Now, you can torment yourself with it if you want to, but I'm telling you, he took it already. It has no power to remain there. Many people who backslide live in deception. They're just too lazy to believe God and fight that mentality. Huh? You have to fight that mindset. When you look, when the devil tells you, ah, you can't quit doing that. You mean to tell me you think it's that easy? It may not have been easy for him, for Jesus, to make up his mind to do all of this. But it's easy for me to receive it because I'm going to accept it right now, devil, right in your face. And get myself free from the torment of this thing. The Bible says that our our souls are purged. We've been purged from dead works to serve the living God. You know what purge is? That means there's no trace of it anymore. Not even a little bit anymore. Huh? I remember when I was a nurse. I don't know. This is probably not the best example. But every time I hear that word, I think about my years as a nurse, my brief career. I just thought I was a little too delicate for all that little rough business they had. Standing on your feet all day long. You know, in those days you wore caps, you know. Had to check the mirror every five minutes to make those. (laughs) Somebody told me. I I taught nursing. I was in the hospital for a little bit. You know, they had me work nights one time. They woke up, I was in bed sleep. (laughs) Mrs. Williams. When did you take your, you could take a lunch break and take a nap, girl. I went to lunch at Clark now. <laughs> oh, Lord, am I fired? I sure hope so. <laughs> Poor Aubrey, he said at home, he said, you still at the job? He said, they fired you yet. Oh, they like me. <laughs> but I had nursing students. They said, this is William. You don't look like a real nurse. You look like a model, like somebody a nurse. <laughs> a nurse. Said, girl. I got good grades in nursing school. What you talking about? Got my degrees. Anyhow, but you know what I'm saying. When you're not called, you're not called. You know what? I wasn't called to that. I was called a priest. Thank God. God got me another employment. But uh, saying that, <laughs> I would have to take students in the nursing home sometimes. They would. People in nursing homes are always constipated. And so they would have to have procedures, and the doctors would say, purging enema. What that meant is what you had to give them over and over and over till the water came back clean. A lot of fun. 
But when when the Bible says our consciences have been purged from dead works, that's what I think about. No debris. You don't even think about stuff you did wrong. That's how you can breeze through life as a new creature until some devil stops you and tries to remind you of something you used to do. Amen. We don't do that anymore. But I just saw you know we don't do that anymore. Amen. We don't do it anymore in Jesus' name. And let God take care of the rest of us. And so Jesus has born. He's the only one. The Bible says himself took our infirmities. That's why he's the only healer. He's not a healer. He's the healer. There are not several of them running around here. He's the only one. Because he himself took our infirmity or our sicknesses. When all that beating was laid on him on the cross and, and during his crucifixion and through, and through his trial and his passion, he was taking upon himself your sickness, my sickness, your sin, my sin. When we preach the gospel, we don't stop at salvation. Why do we take the cross apart? He did a whole total work on that cross in one action. And then we pick it apart and want to grab little bits and pieces. You know, that's man's handprint on stuff. We all always want to make one thing more important than another so we can argue with somebody about it. That's the only reason for it. Jesus is the God of peace. That ain't Allah. That's Jesus. Christianity teaches peace. Allah teaches kill them until they're not anymore. You got me? Jesus wants to save people so that they can live for him and be healed. Our sins have been atoned for. You have to believe these things in Romans 5, Romans chapter 5. And verse 11. He says in verse 10, if we then were enemies and were reconciled, or reconciled means you don't owe anything. The debt's been paid. When your books are reconciled, there's an even balance. Nobody, one side of the ledger doesn't owe the other side of the ledger anything. Amen. It's a zero balance. So you got a zero debt in God. And he says, not only so, It says, when we were enemies, verse 10, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So you're living in his life now. He ain't sick. He's not scared of the devil. He's not under bondage. He's not afraid, uh, you know, that that God's going to put sickness on him if he eats the wrong thing. or, Or you don't juice and put that green stuff, you know, in your mouth and Almost gag it, but you lie and tell yourself it's good for you. All you kale juicers. Y'all, y'all, most of y'all ain't know nothing about no kale. You know collard greens, and you don't want them in no blender. Tell the truth and quit lying. I done tried it. I done put collard greens and turnip greens in front of them juicers. Loaded with fat back. And they still want them. Huh? Well, I'm not going to have none. I don't eat that anymore. I'll show you. Huh? I see your nose and your nostrils. Wish you could suck it up through your nose. Listen, 
Don't let the world try to get you to work your own atonement. I don't care how many times you punish yourself with green juice. That's not going to get at the root of why you're sick all the time. Or why you can't quit eating. It's not going to take care of all of that. Jesus has the answer for you. We go all around God and want to go through some new age stuff. I wish I'd made that bullet. I'd be making good money. Them little machines. I'd be selling them. Huh? You know, it's always, I always miss the train on the money thing. Amen. But I know I have the Lord and that's much worth much more than anybody. Amen. Because I've got a, a, a remedy and answer and a cure to everything right here. Amen. If you're having problems, I don't care what it is. There is no quick, easy answer to the atonement. Amen. It's already been done. You got to keep your eyes focused on it. Don't hide, keep this word in front of your eyes. Meditate it on it. Quit getting distracted by all these juice things and these health things and all these crazy things and pills and supplements. Supplement yourself with the word of God. Amen. You're not eating enough of the word. You know, the devil wants to kill you, tell you, oh, you know, you're overweight, you check your A, what's the A, 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 C, people, A, C, D, A, A, 1, C, 1, N, 1, H, 1, I, 1, J, 1. Listen, there's an alphabet soup for every sickness there ever was and will continue to be. As long as the devil can keep you distracted with worldly answers to spiritual difficulties, amen, you don't have to take diabetes because you're overweight. Just ask God to help you with your overweight. Huh? Well, he don't work fast enough. You don't believe. I guess if he ain't bothered by it, you shouldn't be either. I mean, he ain't no crash diet. Come on, y'all. Brother Stone gave his testimony. Remember, he's diabetic and and he's he's about normal weight now. You know how long it took him to get that? Ten, ten years. Over a ten-year period of time, but he never took a pill. They gave him pills to take for diabetes. He, he, when he came to the altar and I explained to him healing, I'll never forget it. He looked at me and he said, well, pray for me then. He's got a, a, a testimony song on our healing breakthrough tape. Keep on getting your healing. Amen. And he talked, but his his blood sugar was 500 something when he went to the doctor. And she gave him pills to take and, and he, he came to the altar and he just refused them pills. He said, I never took another one. And he said, there were some days I didn't feel good, but I stayed in that word. And over a 10 year period of time, he lost down to normal weight and he was never diabetic again. You know what? Once you commit something to the Lord, he's got it. Let me say this. Once you commit it to him, quit committing it one day and taking it back the next. Huh? Well, I would believe God for a healing, supernatural healing, but I got this weight on me. I got to, I got to get rid of this first and then I'll be healed. And see, a lot of us believe that. A lot of us believe the way to being fit 
and being healed is in the gym. Huh? You know, now I go because I don't want my, I'm, I'm accustomed to exercise, a certain level of exercise in my life. Always did. I just believed it. My daddy walked a lot. And I think I got that from him just to keep your body from getting sluggish and slow and all that kind of stuff. But listen, I'm not over there with them people on the machines and they looking in the mirror and all. That ain't me. Huh? Because I ain't looking to catch nothing in that gym but just a little bit of exercise and get on and get back in the car and take my dog home before she frees in that back seat. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I do my 10 minutes on this machine, my 10 minutes on that machine, keep my knees lubricated so they don't, you know, I can make it down the stairs and up the stairs with one bag, and that's it for me. You understand what I'm saying? I set my goals realistic. Huh? But I do go. But I noticed that on January, in the month of January early, I couldn't even get in that parking lot. I said, oh, you lying demons, get out of here in Jesus' name. And sat up there and lied, got drunk, fornicating, all that stuff through the holidays. Now you're going to purify your temple at the gym. Lying devil. Exercise ain't never made you whole. The blood of Jesus does it. You know, I know we all have trouble with self-control at some point. We used to laugh at my mama because she was overweight. She said, keep living, baby. You're going to get right here. I'm I ain't gonna never get back. Huh? Well, lied to myself. <laughs> so you're gonna have struggles in life, but we have to commit those things to the Lord. You can't do this on your own. You you can't and you can't pick up every condemnation off the television that wants to create a problem for you. If 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 people who sold these things didn't create problems for us, they couldn't survive. So you're sitting there watching people creating problems for you so that they can prosper off of your faith that there's something wrong with you that they can correct. But they can't help you with what you need from the Lord. They can't. And you, your struggle is not against flesh and blood. Quit fighting yourself for mastery over these things. Commit these things to the Lord. God, you know what I want to do. You know I have a vision of myself not being so exhausted from carrying extra weight, not being being able to get around better, et cetera, et cetera. You know I have a vision for that. So help me get there. Amen? Brother Stone, it took him 10 years to get there, but he got there, and he was never sick a day after he committed his weight to the Lord. Do you understand me? And so we have to resist the temptation to make his problems ours. Amen? These things were were issues for Jesus to take care of for us. And if we can allow him to be God and to help us to master these things through him, then we'll be we'll be walking in divine health. We'll be understanding the things of God. We'll be able to help people who are sick to lay hands on them and see them recover. And let that be your prayer. Father, when I lay hands on this sick person, I want to see them recover. I want to know that they got healed. Amen. Sometimes it happens instantly. Sometimes it's a matter of time. This them walking it out. But you want to know that the power is there for you and that the power is real. Why don't we stand up if you want to be prayed for? If you're sick in your body, if you're recovering, not feeling well, you got ailments, you got pains, you need to come up here. And also at the very, very end, I'm going to release the glory of God for, for the healing power, God, to rest on your life.
And we're going to be true believers, folks. We're going to commit ourselves to uh, being strong in God's word, to only believe the word of God. Let it not depart from your eyes. Keep it in the midst of your heart. Because that's where life and healing is. It's healing and health to everything that comes into your life. You can fight disease with the word of God. can make it lead. It's a wonderful thing. Praise God. Why don't we get some uh, worship music on?